National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. Every summer, the Catholic Press Association gathers together Catholic media personnel from across the U.S. and Canada for an annual convention and for award recognitions. This year, the National Catholic Register took home 22 awards as well as the top accolade for Newspaper of the Year in the National Division. Today, we'll get the rundown on EWTN News' honors, and we'll also discuss with Register Senior Editor Jonathan Liedel the Pontifical Academy for Life's latest document that seems to contradict established church teaching on contraception. And lastly, don't miss my conversation with Hannah Cote on her coverage of culture and arts, particularly discussing her reviews on Disney flicks you'll actually want to pass on this summer. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief and Executive Director of the National Catholic Register. I'm joined on Register Radio by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen. Hi, Matthew. Hello. Great to be with you. So you and Jonathan. Jonathan, hello. Welcome to Register Radio again. Hi, Jeanette. So you and Jonathan both attended the Catholic Media Convention in Portland, Oregon this year. Uh, Matthew, it was the first time back at the convention in person since the COVID pandemic, right? Uh, that's absolutely right. Uh, yeah, it was uh, scheduled for Portland, and then they had to keep uh, sort of postponing it. So they, they've had virtual uh, conventions over the last couple of years, but uh, it's never really quite the same. As, as we all know, being able to get together with people we haven't seen for a couple of years, and that, that was one of the highlights of it. Yeah, so there were members of the register team that uh, that were there who hadn't even met each other, who we've you know <laughs> hired in the past uh, year or so, and and so that was a really good experience. Uh, Jonathan, was this your first Catholic Media Convention? Yeah, it, it it absolutely was, Jeanette. And I think what you just said um, was probably the big uh, takeaway for me: the opportunity to meet people who I'm I've only ever interacted with, kind of in a in a you know. A digital space and I think people might not know the register I think one of our strengths is that we have writers and editors kind of spread out all around the country um, but especially with the pandemic it's prevented those opportunities to kind of gather together and actually you know get to know your colleagues like Peter Jesser Smith uh, one of our senior writers or Margaret Maribus, who's our uh, manager of operations for the register so yeah it was one of those just kind of incarnational uh, opportunities mm-hmm. so a great time that's great. Yeah, that's good to hear. I, I wasn't able to make it this year, but um, I, I was very happy uh, that you guys were able to gather there and, and also with other EWTN um, uh, personnel from the Catholic News Agency and, and, and like Matthew from our uh, TV division. But turning to awards, I was completely surprised <laughs> by the top honor that we received on Newspaper of the Year uh, several years ago now, about five years ago. We won Newspaper of the Year two years in a row. It was it was wonderful. And then it just seemed to suddenly get harder <laughs> um, to, to snatch that top spot. But it happened this year. I couldn't have been um, prouder of our team. Um, we won seven first place awards, four second place awards, seven third place awards, a slew of honorable mentions. It was really uh, amazing. I, I was very pleased with our team. Um, a couple that come to mind of uh, we nearly swept the category of religious liberty. Um, we won three awards in that category from 
you know, from analysis pieces related to the Supreme Court and Taylor Swift, <laughs> conscience <laughs> rights, <laughs> to a piece that you and, and um, or a set of pieces that you, Jonathan, and, and Edward Penton wrote on China uh, and religious liberty. Um, in that category of religious liberty, Andrea Pachati Bayer, who's a frequent guest here, won first place. Um, and in fact, Matthew, something uh, you helped put together uh, with the Religious Freedom Institute, a, a series of columns on conscience rights, won second place. So really a tremendous category um, sweep nearly for, for EWTN. And I'm sure that made Michael Warsaw, our publisher, very happy because it's such an issue dear to his heart. Um, Jonathan, you got uh, two first place awards in features, one in features and one on vocations. Uh, what were these stories? Yeah, so the one on features uh, was a story uh, titled Catholic Inc., but Inc., I-N-K, not incorporated, um, uh, Tattoos, Piercings, and the Pursuit of Holiness. So it was really just a story exploring, um, you know, the fact, this might surprise some of our older readers, but, but among kind of conservative Catholics, younger people, millennials, Gen Z, it's actually fairly common now to have like a little tattoo. Um, and I know in previous generations, right, that was connected with kind of a, sort of a rebellious spirit and all kinds of things. So I just thought it would be, you know, a good, a good chance to explore what the church teaches about, uh, you know, tattooing your body, for instance, and why uh, so many young Catholics seem motivated to do this these days. Um, so that was that one. And then another story uh, called The Call of Duty. Um, exploring uh, the the need, the dire need right now for priest chaplains in our armed forces, and how some young men in seminary or in their their uh, you know the early stages of priesthood are responding uh, to that call. So just a, a couple of uh, you know maybe not like the hard news stories, but really kind of applying that Catholic lens uh, widely and to to some interesting topics. Right, right. And, um, you know, another first place award that I need to mention, you mentioned Peter Jesser Smith was there, and he won an award on uh, the Native American series he did. And it's a very prestigious award. It's a, an award on analysis and, um, and uh, kind of roundups. And so he did a, a great piece. Um, on Native Americans and, and particularly black elk. Um, uh, he was able to travel to uh, the birthplace and, and everything of black elk and, and, and brought that to our readers. Excellent piece. And it's, it's very important in light of the Pope's trip to Canada coming up. We, we won a, uh, an award, third place award, in, on an editorial related um, to uh, Canada's Trudeau, and it, it, that was the title, but it was related to um, the, the trouble um, that the, the church and the Canadian government um, has kind of gotten into related to the treatment of Native Americans and um, residential schools and whatnot. And it just shed light on the government's role in that too, as well as how it's um, kind of been poorly handled. So I just mentioned that because in light of the papal trip at the end of this month where the Pope's expected to go to Canada. I'll, la I'll mention one more thing related to the Register's Awards and then we'll turn to Matthew and some other awards that were won by EWTN in, in general. But uh, I wanted to highlight Joan Desmond and Elisa Murphy won awards for their blogging. And this was, um, Joan won second place in blogs for topical news and, and Elisa got third place in that category. And blogs really bring in almost half of our, of our 
um, of our traffic. Um, people are really attracted to the wide range of coverage that we that we bring in with these blogs. And blogs are meant to be a bit of news uh, and reporting, but also some opinion and analysis thrown in there. And I loved the fact that the reader, uh, excuse me, the judges, and these are judges who are usually they're they're people who work in media or they teach um, at, at uh, Catholic universities in the area of journalism. And, uh, and they just identified Joan's blogs. They said, these blogs do what blogs are meant to do. They shed a little more light on topics in the news while creating their own ripples as they plunge into the sea of conflict, carrying their own viewpoints, facts and opinion, Readers decide what sinks and what swims. And the fact that they recognized exactly why we blog <laughs> um, and, and awarded that is really awesome to me. So yeah. I, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm very yeah, grateful for that recognition. They mentioned that, uh, you know, like if you want controversy, uh, you know, and like Joan, Joan doesn't shy away from those controversial issues in, in her blogs and also in her reported pieces, but she does it with such a, an ironic kind of sense, like a kind of, you know, just a very steady analysis, always faithful to the church, not trying to, uh, uh, you know, drum up polemics, but uh, more light than heat, I think is a good way to describe Joan's approach. Exactly. And she asks, she asks questions. She's not afraid uh, to ask those, those hard questions and, and seek the answers. And I think Jonathan, your work does that too. So I'm, I'm grateful. I, I just um, try to do what that. Joan does really. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Matthew, I wanted to turn to you and, and hear about the other awards that EWTN News and EWTN in general uh, won. Well, that's right. Uh, the Catholic News Agency won uh, several awards, including a first place uh, for Jonah McCowan uh, of CNA uh, for his podcasts, uh, which have been very well received. We also, uh, at the Gabriel Awards, which is they're really designed for television uh, documentaries and, and programming, uh, we uh, received a second place as a runner-up for Guadalupe Mysteries, but uh, significantly we won a first place uh, for correspondent Colm Flynn's fascinating interview with Brother Guy Consolmagno, who is the head of the Vatican Observatories. Uh, so the Pope's astronomer, meet, Bri uh, meet Brother Guy Consolmagno, and uh, that aired on EWTN News in Depth, but also Vaticano. So it's really made the rounds, and it's worth taking a look at. You can find it online. You know, it's interesting that that one and, and our readers find a lot of interest in uh, astronomy, in fact. I mean, anything we write about this subject um, in the Vatican Observatory, we get a lot of interest. So it's a it's a two-part thing there. It's not simply awards and recognition for the journalism, but, but also... I find that our readers are very interested in many of the same things. So, well, Plus, uh, discussing astronomy, we just had a lot of feedback from some of our coverage on the James Webb uh, Space Telescope uh, that was just launched and some of the greatest uh, shots that you'll ever see of the heavens. But it also gives us, as Catholics, a chance to remind everyone of uh, uh, Father Lemaitre, who uh, helped bring about the, the, the theory of the Big Bang. So yeah. a plug for Catholic astronomy. Fascinating history. So, okay, accolades are wonderful. We're always uh, grateful for recognition. Uh, but really what keeps us going is that, um, that we have an audience <laughs> and that there's always news uh, to report. Uh, Jonathan, you just reported some, a story uh, this week I think is a very important one to keep following. Um, and it's about the Pontifical Academy for Life, 
the, their newest document, which really raises some eyebrows, some big-time red flags. Um, the article is titled, Back to the 60s? Question mark. Pontifical Academy for Life pushes for departure from doctrine on contraceptive sex. What's going on here, Jonathan? Yeah, well, it's just the the latest um, sort of puzzling development from the Pontifical Academy for Life. They've published uh, a book, which is really kind of a synthesis of a seminar they hosted in 2021. Uh, and the title of it is Theological Ethics of Life, Scripture, Tradition, and Practical Challenges. Uh, so it's 528 pages long. It's in, in Italian, no English version yet. Um, but from reports on uh, the text of it, it seems uh, that it's being presented um, as, as a kind of paradigm shift in moral theology. In fact, that language is used in the introduction by Archbishop Vincenzo, Vincenzo Paglia, who's been the president of the Academy since 2017. Um, so it's, it, it's a change, um, it's, we can get into that in a little bit you know, in ways that are kind of ambiguous. He talks about moving from the sphere to the polyhedron, uh, so these these kind of images where you're not exactly sure what's being said or the point that's being made. Um, but we do know that some of the, the kind of guiding criterion uh, for uh, the seminar and the text that produced it is this idea of wide-ranging dialogue, that somehow uh, moral theology needs to to have the direct input of people of other faiths, people of no faiths, uh, people, you know, scientists who might not be Christians. Um, and so that's that's kind of a move that the Pontifical Academy of Life has pursued in the past five years um, in, in many of its different uh, works, and, you know, including adding people who support abortion to, uh, to the academy, to the members of that academy, which is supposed to provide, uh, you know, so research, guidance and formation uh, to the church, uh, always in light of, of magisterial teaching in the gospel, though. So this particular text, uh, what's being reported um, is that within it, uh, it actually is calling for uh, a change in the way that we understand contraception. So obviously the church has always opposed uh, artific artificial contraception, and that was um, you know, reaffirmed in quite strong terms and developed in 1968 with Humanae Vitae by St. Pope Paul VI. Um, and, you know, Evangelium Vitae, John Paul II's encyclical in the 1990s reaffirmed that and, and continued to develop that teaching. So we have not only the perennial teaching of the Church, but 50 plus years of, of the, after the Vatican Council of reaffirming uh, this position. So this, uh, the seminar and the document were actually intentionally held on the 25th anniversary of St. John Paul II's Evangelium Vitae. And the point of this, they said, was not to limit ourselves to commenting on it, but, quote, to decipher its meaning within the framework of the Christian magisterium that brings his teaching to life for today's church. So on the issue of contraception, for instance, uh, in direct contradiction to uh, what these previous papacies and, and the kind of perennial teaching of the church it describes uh, the use of contraception um, as a potentially wise choice uh, for a couple um, when the conditions and practical circumstances that would make the choice to generate irresponsible. Um, right. So that's one of many kind of alarming claims. There are also some... Yeah, Jonathan, let me jump in. I mean, basically yeah. what we're hearing is is just such a like situational ethics and proportionalism, things that we've written about. In fact, Larry Chapp 
theologian recently wrote in, in our in our pages an important uh, commentary on this called "It's Moral Theology Stupid." A lot of people didn't like that title, but it did. It, it had important stuff. Um, but that's what we seem to be hearing, and and I guess we're, we're out of time for this segment, and I'm sure there'll be more conversations on this. Edward Penton's written about uh, the Pontifical Academy for Life really going wrong in recent years. It was established by uh, uh, Pope St. John Paul II, but it's it's really kind of been questionable recently. What is amazing, and you're continuing to report on this, Jonathan, is that it doesn't appear that the whole academy was even asked um, about or are made aware uh, about this book, right? That's right. Um, Elena Postigo, who's uh, based in Spain, she's a bioethicist and she's a member of the Academy, shared on Twitter after this came out and was being promoted by the Academy and some of their allies in Catholic media that she that she wasn't consulted on it at all and neither were plenty of other members uh, in the Academy. And she said she was astonished uh, that it was mm-hmm. published, that it was simply the the kind of personal perspectives of 20 theologians kind of hand-picked, but then uh, presented and promoted as, as sort of the consensus of the academy. Uh, and of course now, um, you know, it's being uh, various media accounts that are giving a favorable review of it are, you know, planting this idea uh, that the Holy Father is is going to follow up with an encyclical, uh, taking these, uh, these findings, these proportionalist uh, kind of moral claims and teaching them uh, in a church right. document. Um, so very definitely something to continue to, to monitor. Absolutely. We'll, we'll continue to watch this, and I'm appreciative that you, you know, were able to jump on this quickly, and, and the story will keep coming. So, uh, uh, Jonathan, um, congratulations for the awards you won, and I'm, I'm grateful you were able to be there with fellow members of the Register, but uh, the rest of the Catholic press. Well, uh, all glory to God, and and also, Jeanette, thanks uh, so much for your leadership um, of the whole Register team. Uh, I think the award, the entire publication, won uh, is a reflection of the whole team and certainly your leadership. Ah, thanks, Jonathan. When we come back, we'll talk to Register intern Hannah Cote, whose passion is to write about culture and the arts and the Catholic faith. And as you look for entertainment this summer, you might want to tune in to what she's reporting and keep listening here on Register Radio on EWTN. Archbishop Cordelione talks about the National Catholic Register. The Register's content is so critically important in the society we're living in now. There's an absence of the practice of religion in public life. So all the more important is it for people to be reading the Register so that they can acquire more understanding of our Catholic faith. I've appreciated the catechetical benefits of the content of the Register. It presents very clear Catholic teaching in a way that is easily digestible. To get six free issues, order online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. Call or click today. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief and Executive Director of the National Catholic Register, and I'm joined by Matthew Bunsen, my co-host here. 
And we are also joined by the Register's latest intern. Uh, we've had a wonderful internship program going with Hillsdale College, and our latest hin intern is Hannah Cote. Uh, she is a uh, senior at Hillsdale this coming year. She's living in Michigan uh, and studying English and journalism, and she's been with the summer, uh, the Register all summer. My words are scrambled today. Hannah, it's great to have you. You're working remotely. We wish you could be in, in our D.C. offices, but that didn't work out this summer, but it's been, it's been really fun to have you. You attend Hillsdale, which is a Christian college, a great um, liberal arts education. We've been very pleased with our, our interns from there. Uh, but what drew you to Catholic journalism? Yeah, so I've been involved with journalism since um, my freshman year at school, um, but I've always kind of known in the back of my mind that um, I love writing, I love writing articles, um, I love the whole process, but um, I'm also super passionate about my faith, so I've also, I've just known for a while that um, I really want to do journalism for the church and really just love and support the church um, in that way with that gift. So you have um, been with us now, what, two months or so? Um, have you figured out a subject that you've like really enjoyed writing and maybe not even with us, but just in these years that you've been doing um, journalism. Yeah, so I love culture writing. I love writing about music and movies and fine arts, um, especially just because currently there's a lot of um, not so great music and movies coming out. So uh, I love being able to write about this and kind of help people navigate that, um, you know, because, you know, as a church, we're living in the world, but not of the world. And so we're not meant to completely ignore the culture and what's happening, but um, I love getting to write about these topics to kind of help people walk through them and help them better understand what's going on yeah hannah what's uh, the best or favorite article that you've worked on um, I had a really awesome interview right at the start of my internship with Samantha Kelly. She was the um, founder and director of Fierce Athlete, and her ministry is all about helping um, female athletes um, and just really loving them and teaching them about their feminine identity. And she um, just works with so many athletes, provides resources for them. So it was just a wonderful conversation um, talking with her and talking about that work. So you talked about the culture and the arts. Um, what is it, I, I guess, what is it that you're actually following? I mean, you say there's so much going on in our culture right now that's um, kind of to brace ourselves for, right? But there's also got to be some good, and that's what fierce is. I mean, you're, you're writing about something that's really edifying. Um, how do you tap into um, and, and figure out what you want to write about in this realm? Yeah, um, like I said, I really love um, music and movies. That's one thing I love to follow a lot. Um, I love just being able to kind of see God in music and movies when it might not necessarily be um, that evident. So like an example is um, I love Ben Rector. I love his music um, and his latest album really is just like so fine-tuned um, to like talking about God. Um, and it may be like hidden if God isn't like on your radar, but he has so many songs um, they're just talking about the Lord and talking about the joy he experienced with the Lord. Um, so this is like a pop culture artist who's just, you know, like a singer songwriter, um, but is still like talking about God and all of his music and all of his art. So, um, I love paying attention to, um, 
writers, you know, singers, producers, um, who are putting like new content out there, but, um, who also are just really passionate and joyful about what they do and aren't necessarily, you know, bogging down our culture with horrible, horrible music or movies. So we've actually put you on some, uh, some troubling <laughs> movies, um, <laughs> lately, and you've written about, uh, Disney. You did a great, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, review of, of Buzz Lightyear, um, and now you're working on something else. So what's going on with Disney right now, and what can you tell us about um, what they're producing? Yeah, so unfortunately, um, it seems like Disney's taken quite a turn just with um, the content they're putting out right now. It's really sad to see, because um, Disney for so long, I think, has been such a family-friendly um, organization. They have so many just remarkable and moving and inspiring films. Um, but for, with the case of Lightyear, um, I really was just like um, pretty dissatisfied watching that movie. Um, I had already heard a lot about what was happening. So in this movie, there's um, there's a um, a lesbian couple and it even features like a same-sex kiss in the film um, which is pretty jarring for a lot of families who take their kids to of see course. this um, but I think also what's pretty unfortunate is that a lot of these movies they're lot making a lot of spin-offs from like old series like years obviously a spin-off from Toy Story um, I think what's unfortunate is that there doesn't even really feel like there's a lot of substance to these movies um, Lightyear you know it was a fun film but um, there wasn't really any anything like new or um you know quite honestly moving in the movie that really made me sit back and think you know like wow that was an awesome film um yeah so in that case um just not a lot of substance in the movie um i actually just wrapped up an article on um, the new baymax series on disney plus which is um in reference to big hero 6 which again a wonderful movie so moving um but this new series is just like uh, it just doesn't really sit um, well with me. It doesn't really, um, I feel like, satisfy a lot of viewers just because in this series specifically, there's so many references to like transgender couples, lesbian couples, things like that. Um, and it, it really honestly just feels like that's the only point to, to these films. There's nothing in this series that was like, wow, like I, I, I remember this character. He was amazing in the movie. Like he's still so great here. Um, it was pretty just underwhelming. Like, watching some clips and some episodes from these series of seeing it and being like, okay, really feels like Disney's taking it upon themselves to like provide sexual education for kids, um, which just isn't, you know, like their lane, like isn't what they're meant to be doing. So absolutely, yeah, that's kind of how I view Disney. That's kind of where I see them at right now. Yes. And that's basically what they've articulated. They want to be, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of uh, decided that this is what family is. And if you have a different view uh, you're going to be drowned out uh, by the power of their storytelling, right? And uh, and that's really, it's really troubling, and that's part of the reason we've assigned you uh, that uh, that beat a bit. It, we don't want to always be negative, as as we've been trying to say, and as you have pointed out, like you you find God and you find way to ways to connect um, with pop culture, with secular culture, and really finding meaning in that and, and virtue in that. I think that's what we should be doing. And so I've appreciated, uh, you know, that you are taking an interest in that. Hannah, we'd like to have you on to talk about more of the news stories you're covering and the features that you're writing, but we're very grateful for this introduction to who you are and your time with the Register. Thank you. 
And our listeners, thank you for joining us. And, and please go to ncregister.com for more news, analysis, and commentary. Thanks, as always, for listening to EWTN Radio and Register Radio. For Matthew Bunton and our producer, Jeff Burson, I'm Jeanette DeMello. And until next week, may God bless you. <laughs>